about next Sunday, July 24th, is Gospel Games and Grub, but if I could just encourage you in one moment um, for something in regards to that as well, uh, just again, the significance of what we're doing by having church outside of these four walls. Last weekend at the end of the service, I talked about how one of our markers of our DNA is that we love people where they are, and that's why we were going to where the people are in the park. And as I was thinking and praying about that this week, I was reminded another one of our markers is we strive to become like Jesus. And if you read through the Gospels, Jesus spent most of his time in ministry outside of the temple. He went to where the people were and he loved and showed compassion. In fact, he was criticized a lot for it. And so don't look at next weekend as a weekend off. Uh, I sent an email to my staff reminding them that my expectation is that they, were, that they be there. And I can do that because I'm their boss. Can't do that to you. I'm not your boss, but I'm your pastor. And uh, I just want to encourage you not to take a weekend off. And, and two things with that. When we go, it's really easy um, for us to hang out with people we know, especially the same, pe- the pay- the same service the people that attend the same service. And so when you go, don't just hang out with the people that you're sitting by now. I mean, you know, don't hang out with the, some that go on Saturday night or the 8.30 service or the 11.30 service. Don't tell them that 10 o'clock is my favorite service, but hang out with them. And even beyond that, if you don't know someone, introduce yourself. And so be friendly, be compassionate, be joyful, all right? Amen. Great. Let's dive right into to this weekend's message. And I want to begin by asking you a question. If you were to describe Jesus in one word, you don't have to answer out loud, but just think about this. If you were to describe Jesus in one word, what word would you use? I mean, there's lots of words that you can use. Love is one that I heard, and that's a very good one. Um, there are plenty of words that we can use. And if we went long enough, one of the words that we would most likely use is the word peace. I mean, at one point, um, Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace, right? And so if we look at Scripture in describing Jesus, in fact, just the very words, the Prince of Peace, it's found in the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah prophesies about the coming Messiah, and he says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he, speaking of Jesus, will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. Even at Jesus's birth, 
the very soundtrack of his birth are filled with these words, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Jesus even greeted people using the word peace. At one point, the disciples um, are behind locked doors. You can see this in the Gospel of John. On Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. He's standing there among them. And Jesus greets his disciples after the resurrection by saying, peace be with you. And one more, this is a very familiar verse. We often pray this for ourselves and for other people. Jesus is the one who gives peace. The Bible says you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard our hearts. It's going to guard our minds as we live on in Christ Jesus. However, as we're going to see in just one moment, Jesus seems to contradict himself in Matthew's gospel. So on that note, I'm going to invite all of you to stand one more time. I like doing this every so often. We're going to read God's word aloud together. Two things that are absolute my favorite about church. One, when we pull the music back and I can hear the congregation singing in one in chord. And the second is when we, in unison, read God's word aloud. So if you would, read with me. You can follow along and read along in Matthew chapter 10. We're going to read verse 34 through 39. Here we go. The word of the Lord for us today is this. Came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you are, but if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Heavenly Father, your word is alive. Again, it's not an ancient book. It's not just the ancient words that are written on a page. Lord, so I pray that your word would come alive in us today. Holy Spirit, bring transformation in us in a way in which only you can do that. Reveal to us what your words mean and transform us from the inside out. In the name of Jesus, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So what are we to do with this? He's the Prince of Peace. He brings peace. He greets with peace. All of this. But yet we just read, Jesus said, don't think that I came to bring peace. He said, I didn't. I came to bring a sword. He said, I came to set mother against daughter. I came to set father against son, against mother-in-law, against daughter-in-law. Okay, we can kind of understand that one at times. Just joking. And then he said, if you love your mom and dad more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. What? If you love your children even more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. So what are we to do with this, what seems like a contradiction in Scripture? 
If you missed last week, I really strongly encourage you to go back and watch or listen to that message. When we started the series tackling tough things that Jesus said, I wanted to begin by first giving an apologetic, if you will, or talking about how we can rely on Scripture, that Scripture is what it says it is. And so go back and listen to that. But then we also spent a lot of time talking about seven principles of how to interpret Scripture, two of which we're going to look as we kind of break this scripture down today. So really look at that. And one of the principles that I talked about last week as we interpret tough things that the Bible says is we have to allow scripture to interpret scripture. We have to look at all of God's word to interpret difficult things that we read. And so based on that and looking at a lot of different verses, what the Bible has to say about itself and about Jesus, there are two things that we can know Jesus um, is not advocating for. There are two things that we know this text is not about. Here's the first. When Jesus says, I have come not to bring peace, but a sword, Jesus is not advocating violence. He's not advocating violence. Jesus was absolutely a man of peace. Nowhere will you find Jesus going to physical war with people. Okay, in fact... When Jesus, remember the night when Jesus was betrayed and arrested? Jesus, Judas comes, kisses Jesus on the cheek. The religious leaders are there. The soldiers are there. What does Peter do? He's like, you said bring a sword. I brought one. And Jesus tells him to put the sword away. And he tells Peter, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Well, wait a second. If those who live by the sword and die by the sword, why are you telling people you came and you brought a sword? It's a good question. So we're going to talk about. But Jesus is not advocating violence. So if we look at scripture, Paul, in the book of Ephesians, he talks about the armor of God. That all of us as followers of Christ to put on the armor of God. And for shoes, Paul says that we are to put on the peace that comes from the good news. So Paul even says that the good news, the gospel that we preach is peace and we should put that on. Jesus even had a heart for peace for his people. There's a story in the Gospels where Jesus is walking closer to Jerusalem and he looks over the city and Jesus says, he begins to weep and cry for the people of Israel in the city of Jerusalem. And he says, how I wish today that that you, all people, would understand a way to peace. In his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, You know this. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. So Jesus is not advocating violence. Here's the second thing this text does not say. Jesus is not demeaning the importance of family. When he says, I've come to set father against son and mother against daughter, and that if you love your parents, if you love your kids more than me, he's not demeaning the importance of family. The Bible consistently puts a high value on family and its role in society. Actually, there's a verse in Exodus 20 that says, honor your father and mother and you will live a long and full life. And every parent knows that verse by heart because you preach it to your kids. Okay, so the Bible says to honor your mother and father. It's repeated in the New Testament. When Paul says, children, obey your parents, And then Paul challenges dads and says, hey, don't aggravate your children or they'll become discouraged. Jesus himself, think of this. Jesus isn't demeaning the importance of family. 
We just read Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Five chapters later, in Matthew 15, Jesus goes after the religious leaders of the day. Why? For not honoring their parents. So Jesus values family. So he's not advocating violence. He's not demeaning the role of family. So if he's not doing that, then what does he mean by saying he did not come to bring peace, but rather a sword? What does he mean when he says, if we love our parents or children more than him, we aren't worthy of being his follower? Here it is, wrapped up in one statement. This is the implication for the text for us today. Allegiance to Jesus provides peace with God, but conflict creates conflict with culture. Being loyal and allegiant to Jesus, being devoted to him, following his ways, obeying this book, that provides us all peace with God. But it absolutely creates conflict with culture. One of the other principles that I talked about last week is in interpreting scripture is that we need to look at the entire context. We can't just pick and, pick and pluck verses out. We need to look at the entire. So if we back up, if we go up rather to a, a high big perspective and look at the entire chapter, what is the 10th chapter of Matthew about? It is about commissioning or ordaining, if you will, the 12 disciples. If you go and you read, beginning at Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus calls the 12 disciples and he sends them out. And before he sends them out, he challenges them and he encourages them. And he said, all right, guys, here we go. Here's the game plan. I am giving you all authority and all power. And I want you to go out to the people. You have seen me heal the sick. You've seen me cast out demons. You've seen me raise the, raise, raise the dead. Now it's your turn. What? Yeah. I am giving you all authority and all power. I want you to go out, Peter, Matthew, Andrew, Simon, even Judas is in there. I want you to go and heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to raise the dead. Can you imagine how the disciples would have felt in that moment? What? You want us to do what we have seen you do? Yes, I'm sending you out and I'm empowering you and giving you all authority to do it. They're like, boom, let's go. But he doesn't stop there. If you look at verse 16, Jesus' tone changes. And he goes, that's right. I'm giving you all authority and power to do everything I did. But know this, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. A.K.A. meaning you're about ready to be eaten alive. He said, you're going to be flogged. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be persecuted. Jesus said, the nations will hate you. Jesus is saying to them, you're going to do all that I did. I'm empowering you. I'm sending you out. You have the authority to do everything I did, but make sure you understand they are going to treat you the same way they treated me. But he doesn't stop there either. He said, yep, you're going to do what I did. They're going to treat you like me, but don't be afraid because I'm with you. So when you're arrested... When you're dragged in front of the courts and the judges and you don't know what to say, my spirit will guide your tongue and guide your words and I will fill your tongue. And they may be able to harm you physically, Jesus says. They can destroy your body, but they cannot destroy your spirit. They can't hurt you spiritually because your spirit is mine. That's what it means to have peace with God. Our spirits are his. You see, when Jesus said... That he had not come 
to bring peace but a sword. He meant this would be the effect of his coming, not the purpose of his coming. There is a significant difference between the purpose of Jesus coming and the effect of Jesus coming. Come on, don't miss this today. Let me show you. Jesus' purpose. Why did Jesus come to earth? What was the purpose of Jesus' coming? Jesus' purpose in coming to earth was to give humanity peace with God. Because Jesus came, because he was fully God and fully man and lived a sinless life, because he went to the cross and bore our sin and bore our shame, because he was resurrected in three days, when we put our faith and our hope in that Jesus, no one can touch us spiritually. We are at peace with God. But the effect of Jesus coming to earth is conflict with culture. You had better bet you are in a war. Make no mistake about it. The moment you put your faith in Christ, the whenever it was, whether it was 50 years ago, 30 years ago, two weeks ago, or two hours ago, whatever it may have been, the moment you said, Father, I commit my life to you. I pledge allegiance to you in your kingdom. You moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You changed teams. And there is a war that is waging between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Too often, when we invite people to a salvation response, and close your eyes, lift your hands, come to however it may happen. Too often, we say, praise God, your ticket is punched and you're going to heaven. But we fail to warn them that they are entering a battle that they may not be prepared for. And too many times, long-time Christ followers forget that they're in a battle. That is what Jesus is saying. There is a difference between the purpose, the reason he came to earth, and the effect of his coming. God's design was to bring peace, peace with God for all humanity. We read that in Romans 5.1. However, the immediate consequence was to divide those who are for him and who are against him. Jesus has come into this world to disrupt all human allegiances that don't put God first. He is to be Lord over everything, and that cuts like a sword. I was talking with uh, a friend and a fellow pastor. His name's Frank Park. He's the lead pastor of Tove Church here in Pittsburgh, and we were together this week, and he was saying how he's starting a new sermon series at his church this week on the Gospel of Matthew. And they're going to go through it over the next year and a half. And I was like, man, wish you would have done that last year so I could have heard you preach on this text. But regardless, uh, we were talking about this very text, Matthew 10, 34, and what it means. And Frank said just really something I thought very profound. He said this. He goes, there are those who hate Jesus and they don't know him. Yet there are those who love Jesus and they don't know him. You see, following Jesus will cut the things, it will cut into the things you hold most near to your heart. Because his word, which is truth, is a sword. We talked about that last week, the writer of Hebrews. Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word, his truth, is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. God's word, his truth, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Following Jesus cuts deep to the things that are most near. 
Again, in Ephesians 6, Paul says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is Word of God. So my question to all of us today is what is most near to your heart? What's most near to your heart? What's most important to you? For some of you, it's relationships. And that's what Jesus calls out. The relationship with your spouse, your kids, your parents. Some of you that are in dating relationships, your boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe your fiance. For others of you, it's your friendships. There are going to be times when following Jesus cuts relationships in our life. Some of you are here and you're worshiping today and you don't have a relationship with family members or friends because you decided to follow Jesus. That is what Jesus was talking about when he said he came not to bring peace but a sword. It's not that he wants that for your life. But people are going to treat you like they did Jesus. For some of you, your family maybe follows a different religion. And when you put your faith in Christ and you said, hey, mom, dad, I decided to follow Jesus. You're like, you're, you're doing what? And they walked away. Some of you maybe were in a marriage or you're in a marriage now. And neither one of you followed Jesus until you discovered Jesus, till he drew you close to him. And now all of a sudden there's strife and it feels like your marriage is being severed because you are following Christ and your spouse isn't. That's what Jesus is talking about. What is most near to your heart? For others of you, it's your career. It's climbing the corporate ladder or achieving success. It reminds me of a conversation I had several weeks ago with someone in our congregation who reached out to me and their corporate office made some changes in policies and he was wrestling. He's like, I don't know how I can go through with this because I believe it, it goes, every, goes against God's word and I'm stuck. Many of you have experienced that. That is the sword of God's word cutting in what's most close to you. There are times when, and many of you have experienced that on the job, it could be your coworkers, it could be relationships, it could mean not getting the promotion that you deserve because people at the office know where you stand in your faith. That's Jesus. That's the sword. That's being a part of the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. What is most near to your heart? For others of you, it's finances. It's building wealth. It's your toys. It's having status. And so when you hear Pastor Blaine talk about a spirit of generosity or everything belonging to God, that everything that we have is the Lord's, or scripture that says, about, not talking about not building treasures here on earth but are in heaven, or when the Holy Spirit convicts and challenges you, you wrestle and is cut because wealth and toys and achieving things here on earth are most near and dear to you. But is it yours or is it God? That is the sword of Jesus, cutting. Some of us, it's our hobbies, how we spend time, what brings com comfort and pleasure. The sword of Jesus will cut deep into that. What is most near to your heart? And for all of us, at some time or another, our opinions and perspectives are pretty near and dear to our heart. And when you read God's word and when you allow Jesus to speak into your life, 
He will cut to all of your opinions. He will cut your perspectives. He will cut into your theology. He will cut into your political views. He will cut into your views on sexuality. And you can't talk about sexuality in God's word and not have conflict with culture. You can't talk about God's definition and the biblical definition of marriage and not, and not feel the weight and the conflict or the war of culture. You can't talk about God's view of justice and injustice and not feel a rub with culture. You can't talk about life without there being a rub with culture. All of this is God's sword cutting. See, following Jesus means that your thoughts, your desires, your dreams, your aspirations, your relationships, your comfortability, your political views, your perspectives, and all that you deem important, everything that you hold close to your heart needs to be sacrificed on the altar of God. All of that will be cut deep when you decide to follow Jesus. Jesus promised us And he delivered us peace with God. He did not promise and deliver peace with this world. He never promised he would give us all the things that we wanted. He never promised or said that following him would be easy. He never said being his disciple wouldn't cost us something. In fact, he said the exact opposite. We read it a few moments ago. Jesus said, if you refuse to take up your cross... And follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, if you cling to the things that are most near and dear to your heart, if you cling to those relationships more than Jesus, if you cling to your career, if you cling to your wealth, to your finances more than Jesus, if you cling to your opinions and your perspectives more than Jesus, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, if you give up those things for me, Jesus says, you will find it. So just like the day in Matthew 10 when Jesus commissioned his disciples, so too he has commissioned us. He's commissioned all of us. He has called us to go to heal the sick. He has called us. To cast out demons. To be an encouragement. Next Sunday, he's called us to go out and to be him in the world. But we would be naive to think if he isn't also saying, when you do that, they're going to treat you like they did me. And for many of us, we forget that following Jesus has a cost. That you cannot live in this world and follow him and be loyal and allegiant to him and think you're not going to get any pushback. You can't think there's not going to be a rub with culture. You can't balance and tiptoe and do both. There will come a time when the sword of Jesus will cut deep to what's most near and dear to you. I wish the sword would cut the phone at the moment. Allegiance to Jesus provides peace with God, but it creates conflict with culture. Would you stand with me this morning? I want us to end by having a time of prayer. I want to pray for those of you who are 
in a cutting season. If you feel like you are in a season right now, and there are many of you, that those relationships are being cut, would you raise your hand? You're wrestling with that. Relationships have been cut because of the cost of following Jesus. Thank you. Put your hand down. There are others of you. Would you raise your hand if you feel that at work you're being cut and challenged? For others of you, you may be cut financially or opinions or perspectives. You're being challenged. You're in that cutting season. If you're, whatever it may be, you're in that cutting season now. Come on, raise your hand. A lot of people here with their hands raised. Before we pray, I want to read Jesus' words to you. No matter how painful that cutting season is, listen to the words of Jesus and receive this today. Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. Jesus says, what I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Jesus says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Then he asked, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid, Jesus says. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Bow your heads today. Lord, I didn't need to ask people to raise their hand for you to know who is in a really painful season of being cut. Because we just heard that your word says you know the very number of hairs on our head, that there isn't a bird that falls to the ground without you knowing it. And how much more do you love us? So in this moment, I pray that for those who raise their hands, those who are in a, a really painful season, whether that be in relationships or on the job or in their thoughts and opinions or perspectives, I pray that they would know that you are there, that you would whisper in their ear, do not be afraid. I'm with you. And that we would recognize that while we have peace with God and the world cannot touch our soul, that they will come after our body. They will come after our mind. They will come after our reputation. And they did the same to you. So I pray when that moment comes, and for those who are in that moment right now, that we would be bold that we would be courageous, that we would shout from the rooftops, Lord, your word, which is truth. Give us the strength today to withstand the attacks of the enemy as we battle for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend in the park.